Less than 24 hours, Georgians will be under a shelter-in-place order. McDonald, though, said he did not know the man was handcuffed and was trying to use his foot to pin him to the ground so he could be handcuffed. If your friends, neighbors, or local organizations are not complying, report them to us. Howdy, y'all, and welcome to the Free Georgia Podcast. My name is Jake Green. Thank y'all for joining me today. Um, Let's get right to it. If you're interested in the Libertarian Party, if you're interested in what we believe, what we think, what we're doing in the state of Georgia, go to lpgeorgia.com to learn more. If you're already a member or you're interested in coming to our convention in January, um, you can also head there um, and get your tickets right now. Early Bird is on sale for the next three days. No, no, it's not. Uh, By the time you see this, Early bird will be done. So (laughs) sorry, too late. No early bird. Uh, You got to get the regularly priced ticket, which is $75. Um, And if you don't do it by December 6th, then it's $85. So go ahead and get your tickets now before they go up in price. It's down in Conyers, Georgia. We have a ton of great speakers um, that are going to be there and um, businesses and booths and all sorts of stuff. It's going to be a great time. Um, Like I said, you can learn all about the party on the website, lpgeorgia.com. You can also go follow us on Twitter where we're very active um, at LP Georgia. And um, yeah, yeah, you can get involved. You can chat with us. You can chat with um, other folks from the party, get connected in your area. If you're trying to start an affiliate, you can do that. Um, You can inquire about that. So there you go. Today's guest is Derek Bros. He was at our convention this past year. He talked a lot about Monero and something called the Greater Reset. So let's watch this video real quick and then we'll bring Derek on. Here we go. This is a gathering of freedom-minded people building more free communities, trying to find what are the next answers to create a better world than maybe the one we were born into. So we bring people together, not just to come talk for four days and then go home, but the event, we call it the Greater Reset Activation, because we're really trying to activate, to motivate, to inspire people, to take an active role in what we're building together. So there you go. Sounds awesome. I'm excited to talk to him. Um, you can go to wearenotzombies.com to learn more or go to thegreaterreset.org to learn more. So without further ado, Derek Bros, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. I look forward to chatting with you and sharing about some of the, you know, the projects I have going on. And I, I love the idea of free Georgia. Obviously, Georgia is a beautiful place and I love hanging mm. out there with all the freedom, liberty activists out there. So great to connect with you, man. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. Last time I saw you was uh, at the LP convention. Um, this past summer, you were talking a lot about Monero. You had a couple speeches down down in our our convention this year. Um, what have you been doing since since the summer? So, um, actually, at that time, whenever I came to Georgia, I was running for mayor of Houston, and so I continued that for a bit. Uh, I was, you know, that's kind of a whole another tangent. But basically, I was kicked off the ballot by the city of Houston because I have a. 18-year-old nonviolent drug possession felony that I'm 38 now that happened when I was 20 years old, so 18 years ago. Um, And I ran in 2019 and had no issue, but this time, I think because we were kind of building a bigger movement, I had the endorsement of the Harris County Libertarian Party and 
Texas Latino conservatives and some left-wing groups. Like, we were really building a pretty good coalition out here, and then I filed to be on the ballot the day one, and, and they removed me. So as of this Monday, I just filed a, a federal lawsuit against the state of Texas trying to seek to overturn what we think is an unconstitutional law. Not necessarily because I think, you know, running for office is, like, the best right to fight for, per se, but, you know, I just am willing and... Uh, you know, energized to fight the state on any front I can. And if that means like overturning a bad law that is basically written so vaguely that it can be used to keep people like myself out. You know, I'm, right. I'm, I'm lucky that I have like the entrepreneurial libertarian voluntarist mindset and I do independent journalism. So I'm able to kind of create my own path. I don't have to deal with the fact that I'm a felon according to the state as much as a lot of other people who deal with it on a daily basis with their jobs and stuff like that. So I'm kind of blessed in that way, and I figure, like, all right, well, they screwed me over for this, so I'm going to fight back. So that's kind of consumed a lot of my time. Just, you know, I'm here in Houston right now, um, you know, where I'm originally based, but I'm mm -hmm. going to be going back to Mexico at the end of the year to work on the Greater Reset and to work on my land, which I purchased this last year. So I'm just kind of, like, in Houston right now fighting for the community that I'm originally from while I'm in town, just kind of putting in time. But, yeah, my bigger picture is, like, heading back to Mexico in a few months. All right. Isn't that funny how, like, as soon as you become a threat, that's when they pay attention to you and make you irrelevant? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. It's a great strategy. <laughs> yeah, I hate to even, like, play into that, right? Like, Because my thought goes, it's like, mm, was this a personal thing? I have confronted the current mayor a whole lot of times. I have put cameras in his face. Mm. I have had his security guards grab me. And this uh, rejection letter came straight from his office with a signature from him. So it might have just been one last, you know, screw you to him, to me from him. Wow. Yeah. And also, I mean, part, this is part of why I ran, though, honestly, because I have no true desire to become mayor. I mean, it, it kind of terrified me once we started building a movement. It's like, holy shit, we might actually do this. I had yeah. to actually do it. But, you know, we did have real plans and real vision and ideas. And I was talking about taking away the power of the mayor, uh, mayor's office because Houston has the mm -hmm. strongest mayor in the country. And that was something that was actually resonating with people, you know, the idea of reducing government. How often do you get a, a broad coalition of people behind that on a local level? Not so often. So I was running for that, but I was also running to expose the flaws in the system, including this, like, hey, I did some nonviolent thing when I was 20 years old, and here mm -hmm. I am. I paid my debt to society. I went to prison. I you know, paid all the money to the state and went to all the classes and jumped through the hoops, yet here's one more thing I'm being told I can't do. So it's just allowing me to kind of poke holes in the system through this situation. Man, that is interesting. What is it about uh, the mayor of Houston that makes it the most powerful or whatever uh, mayor in the, in the country? So for those who don't know, like most uh, in the United States, at least most um, city governments are set up where you have, you know, the city council or town council, and then you've got the mayor, which is kind of like, I guess, the executive position. But mm -hmm. each city is set up differently. Each town council, city council, some have strong mayor form of government, some have weak mayor form of government. And, you know, obviously it is what it sounds like. One's stronger, one's weaker. There's kind of differences in specifics, but that's generally what it means. But Houston has that strong mayor form of government where the mayor is basically an executive. So you got 16 council members that are supposed to represent different areas of this, this massive sprawled out city. And you got the mayor who's the executive. But it's not just like the mayor's an equal and he gets an additional vote and then he kind of handles executive you know, matters or something like that. The mayor, he or she in Houston actually gets to set the budget for each of those different districts. So you know that kind of entrenches like, hey, if you piss off the mayor, then they can withhold the money and you're not going to get that park you promised your people. Right. So more importantly, um, the mayor in Houston gets to control what goes on the weekly city council agenda, which on its own, it kind of sounds very innocuous and trite, but I mean, I've, I've seen it firsthand. So let's say again, these 16 council members that are supposed to represent the city, 
maybe there's flooding happening after a hurricane. So all over the city, people start calling their their city council members saying, hey, I'm worried about flooding or crime or whatever the issue was. You, know, was. you would expect that in this quote-unquote representative democracy that, well, they're going to listen to their people and then they're going to do something about it, bring it to the table, you know, have a discussion, et cetera. Obviously, we know it doesn't really work out that way. But in Houston, they don't even have that power. City council members can't even introduce agenda items. So that means when they get together every week to discuss and there's this huge agenda that says, item one, we're going to give $500,000 to the cops, item two for this contract, this and that, the city council members can kind of go, I guess, grovel to the mayor and say, hey, I'd like to talk about this. My people want to talk about this. And if they are on good terms with he or she, then it'll get added to the agenda and then people can discuss it. But if the mayor doesn't care or doesn't want to talk about it or is, in fact, like, you know, totally against it, then that topic's not going to go anywhere. And I've seen this happen 10 years ago. We were fighting to get fluoride out of the water of Houston. I was going there for police violence issues, for homeless issues, and we would. I, I did the whole civic thing. I sat down with council members, made the phone calls, the emails, sat down with them, and we had three or four council members at different points with different issues saying, hey, I'm with you, I stand with you. But it would always come down to them saying, but I can't do anything. I can't introduce anything to the agenda to say, hey, my people care about this, let's have a discussion, and then maybe you know something gets done. So it just gives the mayor this kind of dictatorial power, and that's why I was running in 2019 and this time to say this is way too much power for one person. And the cool thing um, that I will say, and this is, I think, another thing that maybe other kind of libertarian, voluntarist, freedom-minded people could think about on the local level, even though I didn't win in 2019, the idea of taking away the power of the mayor actually caught on, and some of the other kind of more mainstream candidates started to say it as well. Mm. And then after the 2019 election, going into 2020, a coalition of activist groups, including Democratic Socialists of America and Young Republicans and religious groups and atheist groups, like 40 different organizations came together and they got about 40,000 petition signatures. And now it's actually on the ballot, this like coming up in about a week and a half, the mayor race and all this stuff is happening. But the main thing I'm focusing on now, since I'm not on the ballot, is to encourage people to vote for what's now known as Proposition A, which would give three council members the power to add items to that agenda. So it's not totally what I wanted to do, like strip the the office of you know, all of its kind of dictatorial powers, but it's like one more step in that direction of on the local level for whatever the hell it's worth that people actually might have a voice. you know. And to me, I, you know, I care very little about what's going on with the federal government and more definitely on what I can do here in my community. And, and I encourage people to do the same. That's always been a part of my message. So yeah, I mean, while I'm in Houston, I'm, I'm like knee deep in it right now and was just at this campaign event for one of the other candidates to try to question Hillary Clinton, but uh, you know, had a, had a different adventure. So yeah, I'm here in Houston and my life though, really the bigger picture, as I said earlier, is building this worldwide movement through the Freedom Cell Network and through the Greater Reset and then working mm -hmm. on my own land. And, you know, it's it's like an addiction for me, man. This is how I get my jollies. I don't really watch sports. I don't really do things. I go try to confront politicians and, you know, fall, go to, like, local events like this. But um, I think it does have some impact. I know for certain that this Proposition A is going to pass, and I can say for certain it's it's largely because of my team, my former mayoral team. We've now mm -hmm. evolved and we've just been all over the city promoting it. Nobody else is talking about it. Most people didn't even know it was going to happen. And now there's like some movement of people across the board political spectrum who are like, yeah, the mayor does have too much power. That's stupid. Why shouldn't, you know, this be allowed to happen? So it's not going to bring down the whole state, but uh, hopefully it'll give us a little more voice in Houston. That's amazing. Um, and don't worry about not watching sports. I watch enough for the both of us. So don't worry <laughs> about that. Um, you're, you're totally right that people, I mean, 
it's it's much better to focus on local things. Like if you have a good local sheriff and local mayor, you can get a lot of stuff done and you can you can create a better life for the people in your immediate community. Whereas everybody gets so swept up and preoccupied with the federal stuff and the national and international things that don't really affect them day to day. Um, and if they got more involved in their local politics, um, they could actually make a big difference. So I'm happy you're doing that. Um, can you tell other, you know, can you tell libertarians or anybody else who's running um, as a more freedom focused candidate, like what you learned or like any words of wisdom for their campaign in the future? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is something I've said prior to running for office because I, you know, I'm more of an agorist, a counter economist. Most of my work focuses on getting people out of the system, building parallel systems. So mm -hmm. I'm not here to necessarily say like politics is the way or the only way. In fact, I encourage people, if you are going to run for office, which there's, you know, if you got a voice and you have something to say, go for it. But, you know, don't put all your eggs in that basket, you know, prepare for the bigger collapse at the same time is kind of my approach. But one thing I can say that I've learned through my activism and then I can see how it helped when I did decide to run for office is being involved locally, because there's a lot of people <clears throat> I know who are very big online, you know, of hundreds of thousands, even millions of followers, uh, you know, that I consider friends. But they if they were to go to their local wherever they live and try to host an event, nobody would show up because mm. they have no local connection. You know, they yeah. just have this internet connection, but nobody in their back, you could go around the city that wherever they choose to live and ask people, hey, have you ever heard of so-and-so? And nobody would because they've never been out there at a political meeting or an activist group or a community garden build or a church meeting or whatever kind of things you have in your community. The point is they haven't actually showed up and got involved. And I don't even mean just in the ways that we as libertarians or anarchists or volunteerists want to show up, which is mainly what I have done in the past, like doing my own things kind of, I started an activist group back in 2010, and we would show up at protests and rallies, but we were also started doing um, music uh, shows. I was a promoter before all this, so I was doing like music festivals, and we were raising money for domestic violence victims and anti-drug war shows and just things that, broadly speaking, people can get behind, whether or not they kind of jived with our deeper message, and that was a way to pull them in. And through all of that, people started to see me. They started to associate me with you know, the activism and with journalism and just being out there in the community. And then what I was saying a moment ago, just by showing up, the fact that I'm showing up and now that lawsuit that I'm facing, I have support from people all over the city. The Houston Chronicle, which is the big paper in, in Houston here, just published about it. And that's only because I've shown up. I've got to know the journalists in the city. I've got to talk to them on, and get on a first name basis with them. I don't necessarily trust them or agree with them on a lot of things. But I also, and this is maybe the second tip, is besides getting involved locally, being willing to not compromise your beliefs, because I don't agree with that at all, and I, and I strive to never do that, but to know that if you want to be able to, like I believe in uh, you know, alliances and building alliances and coalitions to get things done whenever necessary. And you know, just as an example, like when I first started doing my activism, we just passed it October 22nd, has typically been known as National Police Violence, Police Brutality Day. And so different activists would go out and protest that or cop watch or do something to market. And 10 years ago, there would be, on that day, you would have the libertarians out, you'd get the cop blockers, there would be like some local commies, and there'd be some other pe random people who were just there. And all of us holding signs, whatever, protesting, doing our things. We weren't debating economics and history and stuff. We were just like, hey, we all don't like police violence, and we're going to rally around that. I think that that's important, right? Because mm -hmm. trust me, I have to, I'm going to events where I'm interacting with people in the interest of my goals of I need to pass this Proposition A because it'll reduce the government and that can help me maybe get some of the things done that I wanted to. You know, I have some plans for once that gets through. And to do that, 
I need to go to places that maybe I wouldn't want to hang out and I don't want to go hang out at a freaking Hillary Clinton rally. You know, I don't want to go hang out at some of the, but I'm going to Democrat groups, Republican groups. I'm going to the rich neighborhoods, the poor neighborhoods, the black neighborhoods, the white neighborhoods, the Mexican neighborhoods. Right. I'm going to events four or five times a week. I'm not being paid to do this, you know, and I'm not even like on the ballot anymore. I'm just going because I feel like this thing can get done. And this is sort of like a second prize for me being kicked out of the race. But it's my point is that I have an interest in getting this done. And so I'm committing to it. I'm making an effort to be involved locally, to show up, and to make sure that people see me and you know get to know me because after a while you, there's not at least i'll say in houston i think this is true probably in most localities around the united states probably the world you know i live in a city houston of three and a half million people two hundred thousand people vote in this city to elect the, the mayor and that's not even two hundred thousand for one people right there's 18 wow. candidates so we're, we're expecting lower voter turnout and like a decade in this uh, current, it's like the early voting's happening right now, the election's on November 7th. Okay. We're expecting probably 200,000 people to show up. And again, when you split that 200,000 votes across 18 candidates, that means whoever's gonna end up being the next mayor is gonna get probably 100,000 at best of a city of three and a half million people, which shows you the flaws in democracy. But just to show you, to me, I see that as like, that's an immense opportunity. Like if you could activate mm -hmm. 10,000 people who've never voted before in a city like that or never got, you know, I'm focusing on voting, but let's just say 10,000 people getting engaged one way or the other, getting involved in some capacity, then you could totally just change things in a new direction <clears throat> or at least start to be a part of the conversation. And so I just see a lot of opportunity that I think as libertarians, as freedom-minded people, as volunteers that we're really just missing out on by not stepping up. And I can even say that like, the Harris County Libertarian Party, Harris County is the second biggest county in the country. Mm -hmm. It's where Houston's contained. The Harris County Libertarian Party has never endorsed a mayoral candidate before me, which, you know, I'm, I'm grateful to have that that honor. And I'm guessing there was never a candidate before that really could they could feel good about. But right. at the same time, they've never got involved at all. Like so they they, you know, through my campaign, I kind of started getting them plugged in with other um, other activist organizations and you know for example there's a coalition trying to end police surveillance and I told them like hey you guys are the Libertarian Party why don't y'all sign on to that coalition they'll know more Heck about yeah. you most people don't even know that you guys exist because you only focus on the state and federal elections you're not doing anything locally <clears throat> and so they're just you know that's just kind of how they've approached it and it's been cool like I was able to get on TV three times covered by the newspaper a few times every single one of those times I'm like hey I'm endorsed by the Harris County Libertarian Party and the Texas Mises Caucus and just name drop and stuff so it's helping them it's also helping me as a candidate say hey I've got this support but my point is again just by being involved locally I can sway that conversation because the numbers are so low that if you just show up you can actually you know you, you're you're like just a couple seats away from the person of power you know like going to like i'm hanging out now with the two people the two 30-year candidates who are sheila jackson lee congresswoman who you know everybody is just she's a horrible woman to deal with and then john whitmire this other cop loving conservative democrat who's been there for 50 freaking years these are the two you know candidates one of the two of them are going to win and because i'm showing up and now because they're like patting me on the head oh we're so sorry you got kicked out i'm on a first name basis with them i don't necessarily want to but it's like i have access now and if i want to confront them as a journalist you know i have that access now as well but also just trying to like talk to them about stuff and just see like how much of a human are they are they because sometimes there is still a human being in there a lot of times they're not it's just like wow this person mm. is just like a shell of a person there's not really right. you, get, you can never find the real person in there but my point is just showing up man get involved locally show up that's made a big difference because if you did decide tomorrow you're going to run for office in your local 
whatever, and nobody's ever seen you, it's going to be an uphill battle for sure. It's an uphill battle with me, and I have some name recognition. You know, I've been right. reported in the local media on different news stations and newspapers. I can show up to events and people, especially now this time with the lawsuit, it's got even more uh, attention on it. And then it has negative and positive, of course. I show up in some events, and there's that anti-vaxxer, crazy conspiracy theorist. <laughs> Don't talk to him there's that side too but the point is i'm known like they know who i am one way or the other so i think right. that does help i think it's a lot harder if you don't have any time put into your local community whether that's the local libertarian party or just the local activist group or just going to city council and being involved or going to neighborhood meetings civic organizations like it's so silly because these tiny little rooms with 10 to 15 people are often where the power is really decided on the local level that's mm. where the new agenda 2030 you know regulations will happen on the local level in some small room where nobody's paying attention and agenda item gets passed that nobody even heard of you know like that's really how right. it happens like because there's just it we're just so blinded to what's happening in our own backyard and i think personally i think it's by design i think there's a big distraction pay attention to what's going on here for this two years of presidential elections pay mm -hmm. no mind to what's happening in your own backyard and you know, yeah. where the policies really can be impacted yeah, I mean, well, they make it they make it feel like that's the most important thing because it affects the most number of people, um, whereas, it, you know, the federal stuff doesn't affect the most number of people in the most dramatic way possible. It just, if, you know, anything done at the federal level, yes, affects you in some way, but it doesn't it doesn't hit you as hard as the things that that that, are, that happen at the local level or the state level. So I think they they get you distracted by making it seem of the utmost importance to the most amount of people. Um, and that's, yeah, that's frustrating, but I, I loved your point about like joining coalitions and joining people that might not necessarily agree with you on everything. I know the libertarian party did that with the rage against the war machine rally up yeah. in DC this, this year. Um, and that was super successful, went really well. I mean, they were up there with, you know, the communist party and a whole bunch of others who we disagree vehemently with, but we, everybody agrees on that one issue and you know, that's what you got to do. Yeah, um, we'll get to those arguments eventually, but some, yes. some issues we can, you know, collaborate. On. Yes, completely agree. Um, let's talk about uh, your land down in Mexico and what you're doing down there. Yeah, so I I moved to Mexico March 2020, right as this whole COVID-1984 insanity began. I had kind of anticipated what was about to happen, and um, I take an, annu an annual trip to Mexico already. My uh, partner, she's from Mexico, so we go visit family and just travel around a bit. So we had just got back from our annual trip from Mexico, and I remember we were there, and I started to hear things about something going on in China and kind of telling her, like, uh, I don't know what's going on, but we came back from that trip to Texas, and all of a sudden there's, like, toilet paper has gone out of stores and we knew something was wrong <laughs> and like so then within, <laughs> yeah like uh there's I, it was, it's actually a funny story like literally i remember being at the grocery store like days into when that panic is setting in i remember looking i was like wow dude there's literally only like three rolls of toilet paper and i asked her like should we get one she's like no we'll get one later we didn't see toilet paper again for like two weeks i swear to you. we had to go to mexico to get toilet paper <laughs> wow so, <laughs> so but, you know when that started happening I had already told her, like, I've always personally had red lines, like, of, of things I'm unwilling to accept from the state. And I think these mm -hmm. are important for each of us to have, because if you don't know what you're unwilling to accept, you'll keep accepting things. And then you'll yeah. look back and make, oh, shit, I never thought I would take this, but here I am. And for me, one of those kind of red lines was uh, if the government, if the state ever tried to restrict interstate travel, even, you know, because to me, even if the cage is the size of Texas, I still feel like, you know, all of a sudden knowing I can't get out, like, it's just like, no, I got to leave. 
I got a lease. I, they were starting to talk about that. I remember it was like talking about checking license plates of vehicles, leaving New York City, going to Rhode Island, because that was a hot mm-hmm. spot at the time. And um, we just packed up the car, man. We packed up the Jeep. I didn't wow. take everything the first time, but we loaded up the Jeep. And I said, look, uh, also at the time, I think it was like Biden had just, or no, it was Trump. They had just started talking about maybe shutting down the border or something. And mm-hmm. so that was it. I was like, all right, let's go. You know, from Houston to the border is five and a half hours. So we loaded up the vehicle and left the next morning. And, you know, it was just, I remember that nervous feeling of like, are we going to make it? We got across and we ended up going to visit her family and staying there. And, you know, long story short, we just found a part of Mexico that is a couple hours away from her family. It's Morelia, Mexico, central Mexico, up in the mountains, mm-hmm. which is beautiful climate year round that beautiful. we really just fell in love with. And I'd never been there before in my life. She'd never been there. But we just we just started living there. And then summer 2020, I came back, grabbed the rest of my stuff, and I just kind of came went back there. And it was the right move. I mean, Mexico ended up being one of only two countries with no quarantines, no tests, no shot requirements or any of that kind of stuff. For anybody so you had a flood of people from inter- internationally coming uh from the u.s wow. canada for sure germany australia a lot of the hardest hit places that were the most authoritarian mm-hmm. if people could get out one of the few places they could get was mexico and so we just kind of the timing happened like right as we went down there i launched the first freedom cell in mexico and now at this point there's about 20 different freedom cells active around different parts of the country where people both mexicans and expats have kind of just started collaborating together in different ways and so we went out there and immediately we knew like, all right, we, you know, we had talked for years, man, let's settle down in Mexico someday. But once this happened, it was just like, all right, let's do it. Let's, let's not wait. Let's just find land. And so we spent yeah. the last couple of years, we, I think we looked for about two and a half years all over this beautiful, I mean, we didn't see every part of it. It's a beautiful country with a lot to offer. So, you, you know, at some point you're like, we could look forever. We got to just pick one of these places, right? right. And <laughs> we found a place that really worked for our needs because my, my vision, and I had wrote about this in my 2017 book called Manifesto of the Free Humans, which is kind of like, I guess, my agorist kind of counter-economics manifesto and my vision of a stateless society or what it might or could look like. And I described the creation of a community that we call the Conscious Agora. The consciousagora.com is for the, the land project, if anybody wants to check that out. And so I had already kind of outlined this in my own mind, but when 2020 came along, uh, myself and my partner Miriam, we just I put it out through my channel and on my following my email list and said, hey, we're going to build a community in Mexico. If you're interested, let us know. We ended up getting about 500 different responses from people around the world, and we narrowed that down to 50 people. And in October 2020, we started having these biweekly uh, calls to just get to know each other and talk about because in my book and and you know the three core things are non-aggression principle slash sovereignty of the individual. Uh, Mm -hmm. We're also students of permaculture, so bringing in permaculture elements in terms of growing food and building buildings. And then, you know, I am a spiritual person. I believe in the importance of trauma healing and stuff. So we also talk about uh, mindfulness, just kind of generally speaking, but people who want to continue to grow who have some emotional intelligence and emotional maturity and so we i outlined like what was the foundation of this but then as we started working with this group of 50 people which is now just over the last two and a half years it went from 50 to 40 27 14 and now it's six households that are the founding families that have uh, purchased this land we just purchased it in may uh, of this year after doing some crowdfunding plus raising our own money and a couple investments and uh, so we got the land in may and we you know we're going to be moving hopefully after the greater reset in January, just focusing on that full time. And yeah, the vision, it's 22 acres. It's up in the mountains. It's got avocado trees, lime, pear, pomegranate, um, peaches. Uh, It's got this fresh, two fresh springs, like literally just water coming out of the earth. And it's up in the mountains. Like it's, Morelia is a really beautiful city that I love that was built in by the Spanish in the 1500s. And so it's got a lot of history, less than a million people. And we're about 
an hour and a half outside of the city. Like, you nice. know, so we're near the city, but we're like out far enough where you're not going to find us unless you know where you're going. And the plan is for, you know, there's, we're going to have a little village of homes where we live there. Yeah, everybody has their own plot, like you own your land, but we're also have kind of, and this took a while. This took a lot of conversations to kind of come to different agreements. Like for example, I'm vegan, but we have vegan, non-vegans in the group. How do we make that work? How do we respect each other's sovereignty and autonomy and come mm -hmm. to agreements? We had to have those conversations. Um, how do we balance the desire for we're, all of our people are strong individuals? Like, you know, none of us are trying to like give up our individuality for collectivism or anything like that. But we also do believe in the power of community and understand the the, the, the needs and the balance there. So how do you balance community and the, the camaraderie and the strengths of that with, hey, I want to do my own thing and be in my house. So we found a way to balance like you own your plot of land, your home and the area around it. And we kind of have these uh, I guess you could say common or shared spaces. Like we didn't want it to be where one person owns all the fruit trees that are already there. So you, right. know, you plant a fruit tree in your own lawn, your own plot. That's your thing. Do your thing. But as far as what's already there, we've kind of left that open for us all to enjoy the spring, which is deep enough to jump in and swim at some parts. Like that's for, for all of us. And um, yeah. And so we're just at the very beginning of this, what I imagine will probably consume the rest of my life, to be honest. I mean, this is like a lifelong vision and the, the bigger vision, what I talked about in my book and, what we've been talking about since we got the land now is that the conscious agora is not just our one specific property in mexico but the idea would be a network of communities that were united by common principles those idea of the sovereignty of the individual um, using permaculture principles and obviously there's a lot there but generally speaking and then again those who have some kind of interest in mindfulness growing this doesn't mean like hey every community must meditate 10 hours a week or something like that but just right. a general commitment and understanding that like hey we're not trying to recreate the same old systems like we want to be a part of a co coalition of people around the world who each have their own communities and that's the beautiful thing is every community will look different maybe some will be vegan some won't some will be mixed like ours whatever you know but the but we would know these communities and this network are united by those basic principles and you can understand that when you go to these communities your individual liberty would be respected that permaculture would be in practice and you know the kind of mindset that's going to be there because for me it's not enough to just say like let's go get land and and start growing our food you can still do that and then replicate and recreate the same bullshit paradigm that we've been living in in so many other right. ways right so it's not like a utopian vision, I would say. It's a realistic vision, but it is with aiming towards something better. And so that's kind of, you know, the very early stages we're on. Now we got the land. That's the big thing. And we were yeah. able to do that. And that, that was just a huge load off to. The funny thing is this property is the first property we ever looked at. And then we spent all this wow. time traveling around in Texas, <laughs> and, nothing, and nothing could compare. Like, I mean, there was other beautiful properties for sure, but yeah. we kept going back like, yeah, but they don't have any trees. Yeah, but there's no springs on that one. Okay, there's mm. others that are, because this isn't like a perfectly flat property either. You know, there's some flat right. area where we're going to build the village, but there's a lot of hills and it's, I mean, it's really beautiful, but it's definitely not just a flat piece of land where you can just, you know, build whatever you want immediately, but using yep. permaculture and other methods that are honestly pretty common in Mexico, like Adobe and others, like there's so much you can do, whether it's a hill or flat or not. So we're excited mm -hmm. to see where it goes and you know the vision is that we will um you know we have the five uh, founding families there's actually we imagine safely eight to ten home plots and we think as we get in there there'll probably end up being more but we're you know we keep we kept the group small to make the purchase and get the land but we do plan mm -hmm. to add more people in the coming uh years dude you're speaking my language my wife and i are doing the almost the exact same thing we bought 200 acres in montana um we invited like six different families to come own their own like one acre plot within it and then everything else is shared 
Um, everybody has their own principles, own beliefs, but we all abide by these, you know, very strict, basically the exact same thing you're talking about. We don't have quite as many fruit trees as y'all do, um, being in the freezing cold climate, but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, man, I love acres it. is a great, great start, man. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. We're pretty excited. A lot of it's very steep, so it's going to be a lot of, a lot of work to get things up and running, but man, we're, we're excited about it. And like you said, it's a lifelong vision. It's going to take a very long time for it to, you know, yeah. come to fruition and be, be an awesome thing. So, um, well, Elizabeth would kill me if we didn't talk about the greater reset, um, for a minute before, <laughs> before you get out of here. Um, so what is the greater reset? We watched, uh, I watched the, the trailer for it before you hopped on. So can you just give us a description on what the greater reset is? Yeah. So, um, I mentioned the freedom cell network earlier. I'll just encourage people to check out freedomcells.org, C E L L S.org, like the cells in your body. And that's a network that I've been involved with since 2016, just helping people find each other on the local level. And in 2020, uh, June to 20, 2020, the world economic forum announced this thing, the great reset that I'm sure most of the, you know, this audience will be familiar with. And at mm -hmm. that time, like, you know, in our kind of communities of the freedom cell network and the freedom minded people, there was just, I was, there was a lot of people I think who were buying into fear. They were seeing this like, Oh my God, the great reset lockdowns are happening. Like people thought like, this is it. Like maybe we're about to lose all our freedom. There was so much palpable fear we felt. And what we wanted to do is kind of, provide as we try to do with the freedom cell network and pretty much everything we do provide an alternative a parallel to that sort of hopelessness and so we decided to host our own alternative to the world economic forums annual event which they host every january in davos switzerland and january 2021 they said they were going to announce the full kind of unveiling of their great reset idea so they mm -hmm. said look why don't we meet in january for five days just like they do and at this time this was like in the middle of a lot of lockdowns there wasn't like a lot of you know too many people could travel but we had, uh, I had a, a live event in Mexico that I hosted uh, with a crew here, and we had about 100 people show up. And then we had my buddy John Bush in Austin, in Texas. He hosted the other side. So we had two simultaneous live audiences streaming across there and then streaming all around the world and had different speakers, some in person and some online. And it was just basically our way to say, look, we don't need to obsess over whatever their plans and their talks. And, you know, okay, here's a clip of Klaus Schwab saying this scary thing. Like, how about we focus on five days for five days of what we can do from the bottom up as grassroots, you know, and introduce people as well to uh, libertarian volunteerist principles. Because I think there's so many people who have woken up the last couple of years who know that they don't like what's going on, but they don't necessarily have any philosophical foundation to go like, well, what's better? Like, what's the other thing? I know I don't like that, but, you know, and I think mm -hmm. that can be a, sometimes it can be a dangerous place because bad ideas can get replaced by other bad ideas unless people really understand why is right. it a bad thing? Why is it wrong that they're trying to, you know, force vaccinate you or take away your right to travel or whatever it may be and understanding that foundation. So over the last four going on five years now, we've had this event in January. Uh, first year we did January and May, but then we got to the cycle of just doing it every January. So when Davos meets, we meet and we have five different themes. The first day is dedicated to mental, physical, and spiritual health. So speakers focused on solutions in that area. Mm -hmm. The second day is permaculture and food independence. The third day is all about building parallel networks. Day four is take back our tech. So we're talking about decentralized technologies and kind of alternative tech. And uh, day five is building free and conscious communities. This could be like homesteading to organizing tips, just a range of ideas in there. And I, I you know, the, the thing, the most important thing about it is that it's all solutions focused. So we don't really waste any time of having speakers come up here and tell you why the world's bad or here's what they're going to do. Like we figure 
if you found this event, you know things are messed up and you're looking for solutions and you want to work with other people who look for solutions. So it's, it, that's like the, our whole theme is it is a five-day solutions focus. We call it an activation because it has elements of a conference where you're sitting down and listening to talks. But mm -hmm. there's also music. We have a very like beautiful decentralized community that forms around it. At this one we had in January of this year, we had 400 people show up from more than 15 different countries just on the Mexico side. And the most beautiful aspect of it is all the workshops that kind of spontaneously form. So we just take care of the main programming, but people will show up. Like, let's say you attend it and you're like, hey, I have a, you know, I want to give a workshop on natural law or, you know, libertarian theory or whatever you wanted to teach. Mm -hmm. We basically will help you find a venue or if you want to do it outside, you do that. We'll put it on the website and the calendar. We kind of promote it. And then it's just really beautiful to see potluck dinners and concerts and parties and um, yoga and just whatever all this stuff just kind of organically happened around this container that is the greater reset and so this year coming up in january 2024 we're doing one event for the first time it's going to be only be in morelia mexico which is where i live and uh, january 17th to the 21st it will be streamed for free online all around the world so whether you can make it in person or not you can watch it and we put all of the talks from every single one of our events are available for free on that odyssey channel right there we also have started to upload all the Spanish versions because we're really uh, grateful to work for this. We work with this Mexican company. So during our event, like if you were to come down to Mexico or say like local Mexicans hear about this event, mm -hmm. most of the speakers are in English. We, we allow them to check out these headsets so they can listen to the talks in real time in Spanish. It's wow. really cool. And then we post all the talks in Spanish as well. So, you know, we're trying to make as much of this information available because it's solutions focused. You know, it, we, we charge a fee if you want to attend in person so we can cover our costs. But really, we're just trying to get this information out there. We know that right now, more than ever, we need to get solutions in all those areas, health, food, you know, building alternative societies, et cetera, to as many people as possible. And so that those of us who see what's coming and choose to be proactive, like I said earlier, run for local office if it's serving you and you have a voice and, a, and something to share and, you know, you, you think you can do good, do that. But also my plan is like I'm preparing for you know, whatever is else on the horizon, because I don't know if we can stop these psychopaths plans, but I'm going to try my hardest to slow it down on the local level. But I also want to make sure I have somewhere else to go live the life that I really want to live in the event that I can't save Houston or, you know, slow it down here. That's kind of my vision. And, and that's what we're trying to encourage people to do with the greater reset as well as to attend the event in person or watch the event, watch all five days if you can. If not, pick the day that you think is most valuable for your community host a watch party, find a local venue, promote it, you know, get people to come out, listen to the talks, have discussions amongst each other, see which ideas apply to you. Like really, if you we've had so many success stories, the people who've been most proactive, who tuned into the Greater Reset. I mean, people have contacted us and told us they've bought land afterwards. They're growing their food now. They're homeschooling kids. Like people who really listened and got the message and said, you know what, this person's sharing knowledge. I'm going to actually apply it. You know, they're changing their lives. So I invite people to check it out. The website's The Greater Reset reset.org the greater reset.org derek thank you so much for sharing all this information with us and for fighting the good fight out there we really appreciate it our listeners and watchers viewers whatever will will <laughs> love this episode um so thank you thank you for coming on um anything else that you need to shout out before we before we head out um, if anybody wants to keep up with my lawsuit, DerekBros.com is the kind of the main place for that. And then if you want to follow my regular journalism, my main website's TheConsciousResistance.com. And I appreciate the time, brother. Absolutely. Well, y'all, you heard it. Go to his websites. Uh, everything will be down in the description. Um, and if you want to learn more about Libertarian Party of Georgia, go to LPGeorgia.com or follow us on Twitter at LPGeorgia. 
Make sure to tune in on Thursday nights, 8 p.m. for Liberty Libations, and then every Monday night, 8 p.m. for Free Georgia Podcasts. We'll see y'all later. Peace. Thank <laughs> you.